in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Okay, good afternoon, Jen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you, Jen. Uh, so I'm honored to have Jen Her- Herman uh, all the way on the other side of the world. For me, it's about uh, 9 o'clock at night. For you, it's probably about, what, 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning? 11 o'clock in the morning, yeah. Okay, so we're on literally the other sides of the world, but it's really, <laughs> <laughs> so it's awesome. Um, so that's one of the wonderful things about social media and digital. So first of all, I've been a huge fan of Jen's for many years. She's literally one of my favorite Instagram people of all time, uh, which is great. Uh, so before I tell you all of your uh, great accolades about you, why don't you tell us about yourself, Jen? Well, thank you. I'm honored. Um, yeah, I, so I'm known as the world's forefront blogger on Instagram marketing. I've written Instagram for business for dummies and a number of other books that I've self-published. I'm known in the social media space for Instagram. Um, it's kind of, you know, my, my niche and, and whatnot, but I do work with clients uh, from small to medium-sized businesses focusing on their social media strategy. So I'm not just a one-trick pony with just Instagram. I love all social media and helping clients really understand the strategic side of social media and realizing that it's, you know, so many different components that go into a successful uh, mm-hmm. social media plan. Cool. And you also do something else besides just working with clients along the way, because I remember you mentioned something about you working with one of the coolest companies or coolest brands that I thought of uh, during the day when you're not working with Instagram, unless you're not allowed to say that. Uh, no, yeah. I, well, I have a full-time job uh, yeah. in addition to to this. So I have my full-time job. I'm director of marketing and communications for an aerospace company right. uh, that I run Jen's Trends essentially on the side. Uh, I'm a mom and a, a single mom at that. So, uh, But fortunately, her dad, uh, we have a good uh, co-parenting schedule, which allows me the flexibility to do all the crazy things I need to do every day. Awesome. Uh, so as a parent, I, 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 I applaud you for being uh, so participatory and helpful and taking the time out because I'm sure it's not easy. Um, so you really get bounce and balance so many different things because I know you speak a lot at different conferences. You definitely write a lot and publish a lot, which is great. Uh, and since we're talking about, uh, since you're like the, the expert on Instagram, we'll kind of focus on that and how emotions, empathy, listening to your customers really plays on that. So um I guess we should start with my, my, my opening question I always like to ask is, uh, you know, especially in the marketing side, emotional marketing or really getting into that, you know, pulling the strings of emotions for a client or for a customer is, kind of, is not easy to get right. Um, mm-hmm. So your experience when working, with, uh, when working with brands and getting them to understand that, especially on Instagram or it could be any social media for, any, for that matter, how do you get them to understand that that really is where the goal is to get them to to, to pull at that string where the, the client, the customer on their side is really is going to make the decision or the purchase decision or get them through the journey. Yeah. It's one of those things where I think 
the hardest thing is for businesses to kind of train themselves to forget that they're a business, Mm. Um, but to remember that they are a human being and that they're talking to human beings. And you see examples all the time where, you know, people are like, you know, if you walk up to a stranger on the street, you don't just immediately say, hi, I run this business and we have this amazing product. No, you start out with a hi, how are you? What's your name? How's it going? Like you have to build a relationship before you start selling people on things. And when it comes to social media, businesses assume it's a media tool. They think of it like print marketing or like a commercial that you would run on TV or on radio. And they just want to shove their message out there as loud as they possibly can. And that's not how social media works. It's really about forging relationships. It's much more of the emotional connection and minimally the sort of sales side of it. Uh, And so it's getting businesses to really like I said, kind of almost train them to forget that they're a business and to remind them that they are a human being and they're interacting with humans and to have that human connection where then you can build the relationship to lead to sales. And, and getting them to do that, I'm sure, is not easy. Every business has their own. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, in my experience, it's not easy. So I would imagine you as the, uh, you know, the expert on Instagram, I'm sure it's even harder because Instagram is even a it's even a harder one to make a sale because you don't have any real way to, well, now you do, but you used to not have a real way to kind of drive a call to action, right? The call to action was just a picture yeah. and a journey and a journey and a journey. It really wasn't a buy button or a click here button kind of thing. And even so now people are still just getting used to that kind of component. Yeah. And even, even that, like even with Instagram, you know, and one of the reasons I love Instagram is because it forces marketers to be creative. Um, it's, you can't link drop like you do on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, where you just say, Hey, come buy my products. And you put a link, you can't do that on Instagram, but so many people still try and they just put up a photo that says buy our product. And I'm like, you know, facepalm, like stop, like that's not how the world works. And you can't just, have a, a blatant call to action. It's, it's about creativity, which is why I love Instagram. For it to work well, you create beautiful photos and videos and you tell a story and then incorporate it into that at the right times and places. You do say things like click on the link in the bio or you know, click on the email button. Or if, you're, if you have shoppable posts, which are now available on Instagram, then you can include those where people can actually click on the post and, and navigate through to your Facebook store and complete a purchase. And so there's more ways, like you said, now to be able to drive those kind of conversions, but it's still based on photos and videos, which forces creativity and gets out of the, you know, the, the kind of you know, like the, the drop it and quit it kind of mentality that we get on a lot of other social media where you just paste what you want to say and then you, you leave. Instagram right. forces you to be interactive and creative. Right. Uh, and especially with, I mean, I happen to love Instagram also, like you said, because of its creativity, its ability to kind of really tell a story and get people to, on different journeys and different experiences, different pictures, different kinds of things and evoke different kind of messaging. So when you're when you're working with your your clients, I'm not asking for your you know secret sauce because I'm sure you have every, as one that you probably you're, you know that's what you're unique to. But what are the ways that you kind of get them to understand that the you know getting over this this you know this hump of understanding that it's not just about a sale or it's not just about a a push message. It's rather about a building relationship, a forging relationship. And how do you get them to do that? 
It, you know, it depends on the client, depends on the time um, that we work together. I have one client that I worked with for a significant period of time. Um, they are a, a cell phone company based in, in the U.S., not a major carrier, right. but but still a relatively large client. Um, and it was more from a Facebook perspective, but they everything was so corporate speak. Everything lacked personality and it was, they had these amazing videos and they had these amazing stories to tell, but every post on Facebook and even a little bit more so on Instagram, it was a bit more conversational, but it was still very corporate speak. And over a series of calls and conversations, I, you know, kept encouraging them. I was like, get more personal. Like when you're on camera and you're doing these videos, you are this vibrant personality. And yet when you, you are posting that same content and writing about it, you lose all the personality. You're too focused on the corporate mindset. And fortunately they were very open to that. And their bosses were very open to them, you know, kind of pulling back a little bit and opening the curtain and and being more conversational and, and over a period of months, they did this and their engagement skyrocketed um, for a variety of reasons. But that was a contributing factor was that instead of having everything be so strict and, and corporate speak and so, you know, boring, they started adding emojis and slang and conversational tone. And, and then everyone wanted to have a conversation because now they felt like they were speaking to a human being. Um, so I think that's one of the things that you know, even from Instagram, I have people come to me all the time and they go, oh, well, I can be myself on Instagram stories because that disappears after 24 hours. But when it comes to posting on my regular content, you know, I have to be much more professional. And I'm like, why? Like, if you can be the the fun, casual person on your stories, why can't you be the fun, casual person on your regular content? And then the irony is they're getting all of their new client development, all their new followers, all their leads are coming from their Instagram stories where they're being their fun, casual selves. And it's like, oh my gosh, you need to embrace this. So sometimes you just really need them to like see the metrics behind that. Some people are, you know, steadfast, but when you can prove that by doing these, uh, you know, more personal things, the, the soft skill side of it, they're getting better results, then they usually embrace it. They're, you know, some people just need the proof and the data and the numbers to substantiate it. So it depends on the client, how we get there, but that's always the ultimate goal. Well, speaking of soft skills, because that's really the kind of the goal of this podcast is to really kind of understand and highlight that most of the time, especially with social media and digital, at least in my experience, and based on what we're kind of saying now is, is very similar, is that the the soft skills are really what drive the success of social media campaigns. Meaning, of course, there are the metrics that's, that are like, you know, the, the proof of the fact that a story, te- a good story, a good, a good image, a good video, a good, you know, journey is there. But the soft skills are really what drive the comp- campaigns forward because it, it really tells that unique story, the unique angles that really resonate with the audiences, right? So what is your bit, what has been your experience with, um, kind of helping uh, knowing how to tell an authentic story for, for a brand that, that is, you mentioned already, you know, slowly getting over that hump and being able to be, you know, more personal, less corporate, but what has been your experience in trying to get them to understand, to be unique or uh, get them to resonate with their followers as opposed to just, you know, telling a story that might be unique to them, but not necessarily resonating with their audience. One of the things I, I like to do with clients, friends, anybody in the space is I always ask them who their favorite social media platform or social media accounts are. Um, and I say, who do you, you know, who do you always follow on Facebook? Who do you always follow on Instagram? Who do you always follow on Twitter? Whatever it is. And because 
who they love to follow as a human being will tell you a lot about that person. And, and then it's fun because then you can turn around and be like, okay, what do you like about that account? And they say, oh, well, they do this and they share these videos and I get to see this side of them and da, da, da. And they usually end up highlighting essentially the soft skill type things, right? It's the personal interactions. It's the, the way they make their audience feel about them and, and all these things. And I'm like, so now go do that for your business. Like, you're welcome. My job here is done. It's, but it's, it's not obviously easy to get them to do that, but that's, that's what we all want, you know? And I, I, sometimes I kind of give my, I say this in presentations and I give my clients a hard time where I look at them and say, okay, I want you to not look at your client or your content as you as a business. I want you to look at it as a human being, as a client. Like if you looked at your content, would you interact with it? Do you think it's fun? Do you think it's entertaining? Do you think it's valuable? And a lot of times they come back and say, no, it, it's not. And I'm like, okay, well then you need to change it. So it's looking for those things that, you know, make the person reading the content feel good about themselves. Are you giving them something of education that's valuable, that enhances their life? Is it something that's of entertainment value? Those sorts of things. But even then it goes beyond that. And this is why I love, I mean, as you know, I go live on Instagram every other week. So every other Wednesday I go live on Instagram and that has single-handedly catapulted my business in the last year and a half because when you're live on camera, you can't fake it. Right. You know, if, if you're not smart, they're going to find out you're not smart. If you're incredibly smart, they realize you're incredibly smart. If you're right. funny and quirky, they learn that. And those are things that you just can't convey in any other way than via live video. So. I've worked with a lot of my clients to just embrace the live video component. I'm like, listen, if someone walks behind you, if the camera falls over, if you say the wrong thing, it's okay. Just get started on live video. You'll find your comfort zone. You'll find your clients that way. And that's where the real relationships form. That's where people get to see your personality and how you connect with them. And and you get to show them that you really do care about them and build that kind of back and forth relationship that will drastically improve the relationships in your business. Awesome. I mean, that's really, I, I, I'm still like, I still have to get over that hump of uh, get or get over that emotional mindset <laughs> of going live. It's still my, I have this thing. I could go live on a radio. I mean, like on a podcast, but I can't go live on video. It's just one of those things. I don't know why. Um, but even being on a podcast, it's still you and your voice, right? Oh, it's still like, yeah. it, it's you, it's your personality, your audience gets to know you, they tune in because whether you have, you know, guests or not, they're still connecting with you. So a podcast is, or, you know, those sorts of even recorded type situations where you're doing interviews or those sorts of things are, are a precursor to the live video that if people are scared of live video, that's a good place to start. Um, but it is, you know, there's something very empowering about live video when you're on camera and you have to talk to yourself and, yeah. and hope that people show up. I mean, there, there's some serious toughening up that comes with that challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's definitely something I'm just, uh, I don't know. I think even though I'm a media studies major, I did video when I was growing up in high school and college and I should, yeah. be, I, I should be like this natural born, you know, <laughs> camera, but it's just not, I don't know. Um, I don't know why, but it does is, uh, but that's me. But that being said, when when you're the I guess the video the video uh, sorry I'm mumbling here uh, late at night for me long day but um, with the with live and I'm sure that some of the more corporate or more let's call it uh, traditional business B two B kind of clients are still trying to understand the the um, not the value of live but the 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 lack of 
you know, produced or the lack of, you know, kind of stage mm-hmm. aspect of live. And when you're, and obviously some of the businesses are, are going to say, well, we can't get to that. We're not there yet. But is there some way to get them slowly to integrate them? Is there something that you get, get them to slowly understand or show, show them kind of the, the light, if you will, uh, in terms yeah, of- Yeah, I mean, onboarding? part of the thing too is, I mean, like you said, so many of these organizations, you know, like you said, they're, they're storyboarding and they're scripting and they're rehearsing and then they're filming for three hours and they're cropping down to make, you know, a couple, you know, two minute videos out of yeah. three hours of recordings. And they want to take out all the the fluff and they want to take out all the ums and the odds and the stumbles and the mumbles and they want to, you know, have everything perfect and polished, but that's not trustworthy. Right. If you see a perfectly polished video, sure, that may look good as like an intro video or, you know, some sort of, you know, first time educational, you know, what your business is about, those sorts of things. Okay. But even that it's still so polished, it's almost untrustworthy. Like how you like, did they do that in one take or did it take six hours of recording and how much of that was scripted? How much of it was their own, you know, actual capacity and experience to handle these situations. And so when it comes to live video, you know, I always tell people you can still script, you can still storyboard, you can still plan for live video. So rehearse it in advance, make sure you're comfortable. And I always tell people as well, like, if it's like, let's just say hypothetically, I'm me, I'm a, I'm a you know, solopreneur on my own. Maybe I'm terrified of going on camera. Have one of your friends interview you. They sit behind the camera and they throw you the questions that you then answer live on camera. So you're not sitting there completely alone. You can have somebody help you through the process. But you have to understand that that live, it's the ums and the ahs and the mumbles and the stumbles that make you relatable. It's, it's, that's your personality that comes out as endearing. And when you, when you're live, there's no editing, you're not cropping things out. So when you're answering those questions, you're answering them. You have genuine authority as the person speaking on camera at that point. And it's not like, oh, well, this person was hired because they have a pretty face and they're just going to read some lines off of a teleprompter and make us look smart. You actually have to be smart. Um, And that's so empowering for a business and even when it comes to those, you know, those intro videos and those welcome videos and the, you know, all about us videos for businesses, especially the B2B space, everyone always wants them so polished. But again, you're, you're talking to human beings. And when you show the lighter side of a business and you show the actual personalities of your team versus everyone standing there stoic in their blazers and suits and, and being all like, you know, totally scripted, people are going to connect with a company that is, still professional and you know very official in their capacity but that embrace the fact that they are human beings and they have different personalities so you can do live and and still script it and storyboard it and guide it but it's that personality that shines through on live camera that you just can't get anywhere else okay that's a i mean it's for me it's still i'm gonna get i like the idea of your suggestion of the interview have someone interview or throw the questions to you even maybe might not hear the questions or they just kind of raise it you know, have some sort of sign that kind of you read the question out loud and at least you have another person to kind of support your 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 experience or your venture because like you said some a lot of people are not comfortable talking to themselves even if they especially when they see themselves on camera and on their screen or whatever it is right and that's the thing too like if there's the, if that person's sitting right beside the camera now you feel like you're talking to a person not right. to the camera And again, it's one of those things, I mean, I've been doing live video now for a year and a half or whatever it's been. I've been doing podcasts and interviews on camera for 
four or five years. Um, you know, it's, I'm very comfortable talking to myself and I will entertain myself for hours on end. It's a skill that I've acquired. Yeah. I didn't used to be comfortable in that way. It used to be very awkward for me to like, oh, I come never on, Jen. Recorded come on, don't, don't no, I'm good. I would never record videos. If someone wanted a video submission, I would find any excuse not to do it because I was, I hated recording videos of just myself. It was right. really awkward for me. But again, you come over those hurdles, you get used to it and you learn what works for you. You learn what, you know, your kind of natural intonations are. You learn how you want to run your videos, whether you want to, you know, start a certain way, end a certain way. You know, it's, there's a, a friend of mine, Damien Ross is currently doing oh, sure. the road to 300 and he's filming a short video every day for 300 days. And he just, just surpassed 200 days. Yeah. And while there's been a lot of consistency in those 200 videos, even he's the first one to admit how much things have shifted and how much more comfortable he is with certain components of it and how now he has a very structured way of doing it. I mean, that's 200 days. That's, you know, more than half of the year where he's still evolving. And that's totally normal for those people who go on camera. It's never going to be perfect the first time. And it's never going to be perfect the 1700th time. Like there's always going to be something that could go wrong. But it's those natural occurrences that are what makes that makes it endearing, makes it relatable. That's what people connect with. Now I'm going to ask you a very I'm going to ask you a question that I'm sure you're going to get the you get this question all the time is when getting to you know using Instagram, but it could be any social platform. Obviously, a lot of times the the client or the customer really wants to know about their audience and gives them you know the the I guess the metrics behind the the social media platform because engagement on social on Instagram is probably one of the main metrics that you can really See, obviously, followers. Were, mm-hmm. Putting followers aside for a second, because that's a vanity metric, even on Instagram. Um, but engagement is, you know, yep. it's hard. It's hard to really, um, I want to say, quantify or quality. You know, kind of, I guess, quantify the the engagement because it's not. It could mean different things for different people. So when you're getting them to mm-hmm. understand their audience and understand their their success metrics and their KPIs, obviously, which we have to put in, and those are hard metrics which have to be integrated how do you explain engagement or how do you explain what the value of Instagram as opposed to other platforms is in terms of the success or it's, or it's or reaching certain milestones? Yeah. So first and foremost, Instagram probably has for every, for like on average, they do have better engagement than any other social media platform right. for some businesses that may not be the case depending on where they have a solid audience. But in general, engagement on Instagram is higher um, than any other platform. And that's because Instagram is designed for easy engagement. It's designed to be the quick scroll, double tap. Like it's super easy to throw up the likes. And so it's easy to have this inflated concept of success where you're like, oh, we just got 500 likes on our photo. We must be doing great things. Well, that really means you had a pretty photo. It doesn't necessarily mean you got a conversion. Um, And that's where you know, like talking to, you know, the, the metrics and the KPIs and the actual, you know, tangible results. Engagement is, is a factor. Um, but, you know, and I've had clients that I've worked with where they're like, my engagement has dropped off in the last three months. Like I'm not getting any, you know, high levels of engagement anymore and, and this and that. And, but then I go and look and I see their website clicks are up. I ask them, you know, how their sales are doing when they run campaigns and they're great. And I'm like, so who cares if you lost 200 likes on a photo? If you're getting more sales, that's what I care about. So, and and if you're a business account on Instagram, you can go in and get those analytics and see how many website clicks you're getting. 
Um, set up your website on the back end so that you have like a landing page on your website that anyone coming from Instagram lands on a unique page so you can track traffic off of that page where you can see, are they um, navigating to other pages on your website? Are they they leaving immediately after that? Are they completing conversions and actually clicking and putting things in their cart or, or whatever that is where you know, there's engagement is, is wonderful. And it makes us, you know, feel good that we did something successful, but really engagement isn't necessarily tied to success. Um, and that's again, where, you know, whether you're doing Instagram stories, whether you're doing regular Instagram content, whether you're doing IGTV, whether you're doing live videos, whether you're conversing over in direct messages, it, there's so many different ways you can be holding these conversations with people that drive results. And that's, a bigger long-term goal is the actual conversions, but that's going to, you know, forge around the relationships. How are you responding to the direct messages? How are you connecting with people on your Instagram stories? Um, You know, if all your content is just fun content and people are liking it, great, good for you. But what is that doing for your business? Right. So you still want to have those positions in there where you, you know, have built the relationships and then you can drive people to the link in your bio or have them sending you emails um, and be able to measure that and see what those sort of conversions look like for you. Okay. And now that we've kind of discovered, kind of convert, discussed the issue of engagement and discussed the various options of responding to people and using different components within Instagram, because I happen to love Instagram as a platform in general, especially over the last year. It, for various clients, various things that I'm working on there, it's just been a tremendous success and proving that it's a great tool on whether it's the stories, whether it's, you know, we'll call it the traditional feed, the stories, uh, IGTV, which is still, you know, slowly picking up. What's one of your, what's your favorite mm-hmm. component of Instagram right now? I know there's so many new you know releases. You mentioned one last week on your live TV. Is that right? Last week? Last yeah, there's, I know they, they just keep doing more. More things. It's amazing. Um, so I remember less listening to right, your. I mean, last I'm last like I'm kind of you know, yeah. Um, I'm and I'm a traditionalist. Like I love Instagram for Instagram. I love creating like the regular content and then the conversations that flow in you know the comments or people leave comments and and the dialogue that happens there. Um, but I do love my Instagram lives. For me, that's that's my happy place where I can go live on camera and and have, you know, I, I usually have anywhere from 15 to 20 people on live at any given minute or moment in the video. But I usually have live views of about 100 to, you know, maybe 150 that will tune in over the, the course of about an hour. Right. And then people that come back and watch the replay, I will get up into, you know, anywhere from usually three to 500 views on that video which is only there for 24 hours and then right. it disappears. And, but it's, it's the conversations that happen there. It's, you know, I, I end up having like people in the comments are having conversations amongst themselves. Like while I'm live and doing my thing, they're talking amongst themselves in the comments. And, and that's where the dialogue happens. That's where people can ask me a question literally live on camera. They're, they're posing a question in the comments and I'm answering it and being able to laugh and joke and, and kind of connect back and forth with people. So I love that component of it. But Instagram is, they're adding so many new features for businesses that I'm, I'm so excited about. Um, you know, they, they just released name tags, um, which uh, we'll have to see how, how just, really I'm, relevant they are, but it's yeah, basically like I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the snap codes. Yeah. But I'm trying to figure out if, you know, I remember Brian, uh, not Brian I remember who is it? Um, Scott Stratton wrote a book once 
about called QR kills QR codes kill kittens, right? It's like this little book about fifty-five <laughs> or hundred pages, or something like that. One of my favorite first books, and his premise of the book was basically showing you how businesses thought QR codes would solve all the problems of the you know marketing world. You know, you have to yeah. you put it up everywhere, and then of course he shows the pictures. The half the book is a picture book about different. QR codes that you know, were completely misplaced or making no sense to yeah. be there, like on a big on a truck, right? If you can get close enough to that truck to scan your QR code, you're probably too close to the truck and you're going to get yourself very in, poor, badly. Right. In. right? So, that, <laughs> so, you know, to me, especially when you're thinking about Instagram, you're thinking about Snapchat, it doesn't make a difference. It could be any of those. They're, they were built on a mobile first, you know, mindset. How many people are really going to do use that, you know, that Instagram code to really, you know, connect. If your your main device is your mobile phone, you're you're it's it's kind of counterproductive, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about it. And this funny. this is one of those things where you know there I and I have my skepticism um, about you know whether it's QR codes and snap codes and messenger codes and right. and now name tags on Instagram and there are situations where they can be beneficial. So for example, I know a lot of friends of mine do something where they actually their lock screen on their phone as their either messenger code or in, in this case, let's say the Instagram name tag. So when they're at a networking event or they're at a conference, okay. cool. they can just literally pop open their lock screen on their phone and someone can scan it. So instead of doing business cards, instead of having to like open your phone and navigate through 19 screens to get to the name tag, they just hit their lock button and boom, there it is and someone can scan it and have immediate connection with them. So it can work if you do it in the right strategic way. And it is one of those things where, you know, on Instagram, like, okay, I'm Jen's underscore trends. Well, people put in one M, they forget the underscore, they forget the S. Like, so to be able to scan something quickly that immediately takes you to my account without any confusion of spelling, without trying to say, wait, how did you spell that again? You know, there's, it can benefit the situation in some way ways. So I think businesses can take advantage of it if they, you know, don't try to overdo it. Um, If they, you know, realize that name tags are not the solution to the world's problems, you know, it's like, this is just one little thing you can do to augment finding new followers and and building those relationships. Uh, But, you know, and again, um, Chocolate Johnny, who runs Perfection China Australia, he, he loves like Snapchat and Instagram. And he does these things where he puts the snap codes and the, the Instagram codes all around his chocolate store. So people can quickly scan them while they're in the store and then they can oh, follow cool. him. And he does all these really fun things on his Instagram account. So it makes sense. They're already in the store. They're already loving his product. Now they can just quickly scan and now they're following him on Instagram. But meanwhile, he's actually in the store or his employees are actually in the store having these relationships with these people that makes them want to scan that code. It's not just, you know, on a billboard on the side of the street that says scan our code because we're awesome. It's because they're in the store, they're tasting the chocolate, they're buying it, they're talking to these people, they have their human interaction that is now going to be augmented by, I want to scan this and follow you and stay in connection with you. So again, you know, we always joke marketers ruin everything. Um, And you can take any good intentioned tool device or anything and marketers will find a way to ruin it because we'll take advantage of situations. So I'm, I'm, you know, I want to be optimistic about the name tags, but I know that marketers are going to ruin them. So what are you going to (laughs) do? And what are your thoughts on, uh, and then I'm going to do a a little bit of a tougher question, but what are your thoughts on the, on IGTV? I know we mentioned it before, but Mm -hmm. like, your thoughts on IGTV in terms of like the, the, as a space, as, a, as Instagram going long, as Instagram deciding to go kind of on a 
you know, kind of a bigger, longer form video conference content versus just, you know, some other improvements that they could have been making. Why do you think they went that way? Well, it's one of those things where, you know, Facebook owns Instagram and if Facebook's putting money behind something, it's because they they have goals, they have right. long-term plans. So everyone who sits here and goes, oh, IGTV's been out for four months and it's dead. I'm like, yeah, not mm-hmm. so much. I, I'm, right. not, I'm not tapping the mat on this one just yet. And, you know, even with Instagram stories, there was this initial, of course, massive influx of activity on Instagram stories. Then it kind of died off and then it picked back up. And IGTV had that initial, of course, everyone rushed out and created content and then it like died off and it'll start to pick back up. Um, I really do think there are long-term applications for it. I think in the long run, Facebook, AKA Instagram is trying to take on Google um, in terms of, you know, or I mean, YouTube in terms of, you know, searchable in terms of um, long form content that they want to be a place where people stop and hang out and, and do that sort of thing. Uh, I think it was very ballsy of them to go yeah. vertical format um, yeah. and basically challenge every video, uh, you know, format that we've known till this point in our lives. But in the same turn, I don't disagree. I'm like, I know that, you know, yeah, like, you know, let's face it, landscape video is great if you have multiple people. Landscape right. video is great when you want to include the background, but vertical video is how we hold our phones. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's so much easier to watch when it's in that kind of native orientation in your hand where it's in the vertical mode. So I think, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram in that capacity were like, we know this is the shift. People are watching more and more stories and short form video in vertical format. It's only a matter of time until long form video is in the same, you know, vertical format. And I think they just wanted to essentially embrace it before uh, a lot of other people did. And it'll help push video production in that direction because you have, you know, the the two largest social media platforms in the world that are pushing it. Uh, in terms of, you know, from a business perspective, I think businesses should be creating IGTV uh, content if they are able to. I think they should even just once a month create a video. It could be a 15 second video. It could be a one minute video. It doesn't need to be super long form, but just enough that you have a channel. Um, I also, you know, people have to realize that when you go to the IGTV channel and this will probably change in the future, but right now it plays all your videos back to back. You don't have segments within your channel. So you can't say, oh, these are our, you know, goofy fun videos and these are our tutorial videos and these are our product videos. And there's no way to separate the type of content. And so right now I've been encouraging people to pick one type of content and create that consistently. Meaning if you want to share tutorials, only do tutorials. Just keep your IGTV channel as tutorials because if someone finds one of your videos, they're going to go, oh, that's good. I want to watch more. They're going to want to see more similar things. They don't want to see this great tutorial educational content. And then the next one looks like a Beavis and Butthead, you know, goofy video right after it. They're going to be like, whoa, like, I don't want this. They'll leave and they'll never come back. So it's it's one of those things right now. It's very limited in that capacity of, of being able to create varied content. So I... It, it has a lot of room to grow. It's not highly interactive within Instagram. Like you really have to essentially leave the app and go to the IGTV platform to watch video. Um, but that being said, I, you know, I see people watching it. I hear people saying that, you know, their kids, you know, high school, college age kids are always on IGTV and they're watching it all the time. Um, that's my, that's so it, my premise also. I mean, I wrote an article yeah. about this exact thing. My premise is that they're not ch- going for 
Google, they're going for actually for TV. Like they're going, yeah. they're going TV. And if you want to be like my, in my media background, I play on the idea or can think about the idea. If you now think about IGTV, what's the first thing you see when you go onto IGTV? What do you mean? Like you, you see all the, you know, whatever videos of whoever yeah, you're currently yeah, following. What, you, yeah. what, does it, what does it look like when you see that video? It's like black and white fuzzy. You remember when you turn on your black and white? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It turns on when you turn on your black and white fuzzy TV. That's exactly what I think. Again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think that's what they're playing on. It's like, let's challenge that entire, like you said, the vertical thing is 100% yeah. accurate. They're playing on that long form because people, they're challenging Google, like you said, because they want to get to be, you know, people are still going to YouTube for that long term video that long form content but i think yeah. that ver- vertical thing is going to be huge for them that the fact that they're going now as a you know they're you know they're going ahead of the trend on that one they're setting the trend yeah. forward. i think that's going to be the big thing for them and i also think it's the idea that like you said is like people high school college age people are watching long form content on igtv as opposed to any other tv yeah it's a big is a big is a big challenge um it's a big in a good way in other words they're challenging the norm and i think and people are responding to it in a good way. Um, okay, so my question for you now is: This has been the news uh, a couple of mu- a couple of weeks ago, so you might as well be able to uh, give me a response. I don't know if you mentioned it on your Instagram live, not last week, but the week pri- the last one prior to that, uh, about the Instagram co-founders resigning. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if this is like your space, or maybe not, maybe mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, but since you're the Instagram person, and I, I think this is also an important component of emotions and how people, you know, they built the product, they sold it for billions of dollars to Facebook. So clearly they know what they're doing. And now all of a sudden they decide to leave. So this is a little bit more, you know, less about strategy and about emotional working on a journey and things like that. But this is more about like corporate kind of thing. What do you you think was behind this? If you can, you know. Well, and this is one of those situations where, you know, I'm sure there's a handful of people in the world who really know what happened. Um, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, of people that have, you know, their ideas about what they think happened. Um, all of which is, you know, conjecture and, and none of it is validated, but you know, they, they made a couple comments in their statement of release saying that they want to leave and go find their happy or their, I think they said they want to go find their smiles again or something like that. And it's, you know, it's again with Facebook owning Instagram and the way Facebook wants to do things, part of the sale of Instagram to Facebook was that they, the Instagram co-founders basically retained autonomy over what Instagram did, how it grew, what features were released. They were the, you know, the veto decision on a yes or a no. And I can be very confident um, in saying that I'm sure there was pushback between them and, you know, the between Mark Zuckerberg and the other higher ups at Facebook with, you know, where Facebook wants to take the platform. Right. Um, we've seen the Facebookification of Instagram and we've seen the Instagramification of Facebook. Is that a word? Um, it's a totally word? a word. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Facebookification <laughs> and the Instagramification. Okay. Um, I'm going to quote you see this, you know, obviously they own the, the two platforms and we've seen the, you know, the best of each kind of show up on the other platforms. And, I think it just got to the point where, I mean, it's been, what's it been like six years or something now since Facebook bought Instagram. And you get to the point where you're like, you know, as much as they say they have autonomy over what they do, they don't. It's owned by Facebook. And I'm sure they just got to a point where they were like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to step away. We're going to let Facebook do what they want with it. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next, you know, short period of time, depending on whatever their, their, 
like clause is, whether or not they can create another app and if there's any time limits on that, but I'm sure we'll see them pop up with a new app sometime in the future. Um, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing for Instagram. The optimist in me wants to believe that this will make things happen faster. Um, mm-hmm. Where in the past, I'm sure there was that, you know, that pushback and, and the, you know, the kind of, you know, tug and pull back and forth of, of whether or not Facebook wanted something, whether or not the Instagram owners did that um, now Facebook will be like, hey, we want to do this. Boom, it's going to get done. So right. maybe that will help us see things, uh, you know, change faster. I hope that Facebook does stay true to the fact that Instagram is not Facebook. Right. Um, but that, you know, that being said, I, I, we had the conversation in my Facebook group the other day and I was like, well, I don't want to see this happen. And I had a bunch of people say, well, I do want to see that happen. And then things that they want, you know, that they don't want to see happen. I do want to see happen. And so we all have our differences in terms of what we want to see, you know, is on our, you know, whether it's our favorite component of a certain platform we want to see that on other platforms. And so it'll, it'll be just interesting to see. I think we're all kind of in that, that holding pattern of what does this really mean and, and what sort of changes will we see? Um, so, yeah, I think we're all kind of, you know, just waiting along with everybody else. Uh, I, I think so. I happen to think this, exactly the same thing. I think it's, you're right. It's, there's no, I mean, I think like they said, they want to go out like uh, what you were mentioning before about Mike Krieger saying is he wants to go out and explore their kind of, curiosity and creativity again yeah what you mentioned before um code words or kind of like you know big uh, short short uh, short statement <laughs> for something much more much deeper um yeah. and, and i think you're right that there's going to be a lot of now a lot of questions and concern from at least from marketers about how facebook is going to take it now and i also think uh and that what you said about that facebook you know turning things faster turning things over faster on instagram i didn't think about that but that makes a lot of sense in terms of how quickly now that they don't have the you know the the veto power in place, now Facebook mm-hmm. can roll things much faster, which is a great a great insight. Um, so now that we've kind of spoken spoken about you know strategy, we've spoken about uh, audiences and getting kind of comp- companies to kind of buy into Instagram, which uh, I think is still something that people are going to still have a, a challenge, despite the fact that everyone knows that Instagram is definitely the the, the wave of the future, or it already is the wave, but. Now, is there anything like you that you say people are still kind of concerned about, whether it's social, whether it's Instagram, that you're saying is like, how could it still be, even though social media is now already, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 years old kind of thing? Is you're just like concerned, questioned, or like, I can't believe this is still going on? <laughs> um, one of the things, and I think it's just because this has been so recent this year, um, is... As marketers, I think we understand how social media works. And when we give up our, quote, privacy, that we get, you know, certain conveniences for it. And I'm always shocked, maybe because I pay attention to it, because I'm so involved in it as an industry. But I'm shocked when the, quote, average person, the average user, doesn't really understand how social media works. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't understand that by clicking yes on that, that they're giving up these permissions or they're giving up this information in their account or that they're giving that company the ability to email them. Um, And it's something that I think as marketers, we need to, you know, A, try to, you know, embrace that and realize that not everyone knows the things that we know, Uh, but B, work on educating their audience too. Like, don't just say, 
hey, click on this link and you'll get this. Like be open and honest and say, by doing this, you're going to get this download. And, you know, by the way, we're also going to send you some emails. So if you don't want to get those emails, feel free to, you know, don't click on this link or click on this opt out option. Like be open and transparent with your audience because so many people just don't really understand what those interactions mean. They don't, you know, yeah. have the, the back end understanding and then all of a sudden they're getting all these emails and like, I never signed up for these. And you're like, yeah, you did. You just didn't know you did. So right. I think that's, that's yeah, one of the big things these days for me is that that kind of privacy and the education of our, of our audience. Yeah. People don't realize that when you give your email address to Facebook or to any platform, it doesn't mean it could be Facebook or any of them. As soon as you give your email address, you've basically given your, I mean, you've given it over and all of a sudden there's a lot more things that they know about you and we target you and as that you start seeing and people don't realize that if you give it to a company, they start you know, being able to get more content to you, whether that's right or wrong is another question. But to me, like you said, it, it's like this strange kind of, um, you know, I call it ambivalence because they don't want people to know too much about themselves, but all of a sudden right. when they start giving, giving out their email addresses to, you know, this magazine or this, you know, they give their, their email address comfortably to Amazon because they have to buy, you know, make purchases and whatever yeah. it is. And all of a sudden you're just like, you know, what you're doing here and what you're doing here are exact opposites, but they contradict each other, but it's okay. Well, let me explain to you how this works. Yeah. Um, so my question now is you've, you've given the, the strategy, you've given the kind of larger picture macro components of social media and where Instagram is going to go. What else about emotion or about, uh, I guess we'll call it connecting to the consumer. Is there, in terms of the digital platforms that maybe customers or companies are still missing out on or recognize or are lacking. I don't say lacking, but maybe need to be more aware of. Is there anything that yeah. you to, to kind of think, think about? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, okay. Where I was saying, you know, look at your content and would you interact with your own content? Cause if you wouldn't interact with it, then your content sucks and you need to redo your content strategy. <laughs> um, but it is, it is really like about finding your brand voice. Um, it's one of the things I work with my clients on, like who's your target audience? Who are you talking to? How are you creating your content to resonate with that person? And, you know, everyone has, you know, whether it's, they call it the avatar or they, they name their ideal, you know, kind of, uh, person that they're talking to. And, and I know my target audience is typically women 35 to 50, um, you know, small business owners. They don't have a lot of, you know, disposable income, you know, from their businesses. Like I know that's my target audience. That doesn't mean I don't have men who are in my audience. It doesn't mean that women older or younger yeah, are in my audience. From your audience. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> so it's, but it's knowing that when I know that person that I'm talking to, I write in a context that relates to them. But even that, I write differently on different platforms. So I speak a certain way on Instagram because I'm talking to a different audience on Instagram than I am on Facebook. In my Facebook group, I, I am even a different type of, I'm a bit more casual in my Facebook group. Um, I use a lot more slang and a lot more kind of, you know, my mannerisms in, in the way of, of speech and writing in my Facebook group versus my Facebook page, because I'm talking to different audiences, even though it's essentially the same target audience, there's different people in those spaces. And it's really important to figure out who those people are and how you're going to communicate with them. Because if your target audience is 25 year old women and you're writing your content that appeals to a 50 year old man, you're never going to drive conversions or relationship building because you're not speaking to them in a language that they connect with. 
So that's one of the things that, you know, I think a lot of people skip out on and, and they focus so much on creating this content, but they never really think about creating the voice that's going to build that relationship. Absolutely. I think that's probably the biggest challenge for marketers is that, you know, the company wants to get a quick win or wants to get know that they've checked off the box of social media or the content or digital, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden, when you tell them, it's like, well, let's get to know your voice or your target audience is. Let's get to know who the, the, the brand voice, what kind of messaging you want to give. And all of a sudden, there's like this longer, deeper kind of information that they have to deliver or information that you have to kind of discover all of a sudden, it's not just a quick win. It's rather this long-term thing. And all of a sudden, yeah. even today, even with all, like like we discussed, even today with all this importance of digital marketing and content and social, even today, people are just like, wait, I thought social media is going to be a quick win or just a checkbox. Yeah. And, and that's thing. so many people do that to check the box. And I'm, yeah. I'm the biggest advocate for if you're doing it to check the box, erase the box mm-hmm. and stop doing it. Yeah. Because you're never going to have success if you're doing it purely to check the box and say, I posted to Facebook today. I wrote something on Twitter today. Like that's not a strategy. That's not going to drive results and conversions because you have no strategy. You're literally just doing it to tell your boss you did it. Yeah. And it takes so much more planning and, and reviewing your analytics and really having conversations like asking your audience questions, actually saying, do you want more of this content? If I could give you anything on the planet, what would you want? Like opening it up and actually getting their genuine feedback because you may be doing, you know, 90% of your content around a certain thing and turns out your audience would rather have the 10% more than the 90%, in which case now you want to revamp your strategy. But if you don't ask them, you don't know that. Um, and those things all take time and evolution as your audience grows and as you build those relationships. And, and that's the thing, it's definitely not an overnight quick fix it solution. This is social media is a long-term marathon plan that you're doing with your audience. Yeah. Oh man. It's, I can't believe that we're still saying this because I feel like we're repeating ourselves so many times. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, I just had this conversation with one of my other like big mentors and she's, and she and I were about to do some big business together uh, with a potential client. Like basically we would collaborate on this client and as soon as I saw the conversation, like we created this whole big proposal and then we sent it out and then we got the response from our proposal. And I said, as soon as I saw the response, I'm like, wait a minute, stop. We have to redo everything. Basically, what we just have to say is that this is going to be a long-term game because yeah. all the other questions are basically, you know, they're all like very simple questions to answer, but they're un- the, the kind of the bottom line question they're really asking is when can we see results? And yeah. that they're not going to get that tomorrow morning. And I think that was like, and as soon as we made that, got, even us, where both of us are, you know, put together, we have about 20 years in the, in the industry. Putting right. together, it was like, I can't believe we just missed that. We, we missed that, that, that un- simple, important question of that. It was just so, I can't believe we're still getting there, but I guess we are. Um, well, and it's funny because I've had clients that I've, well, and they have, weren't actually clients, but I had people, potential clients that have reached out to me and, and asked for my help to do strategy or those sorts of things. And when they you know, ask those types of questions. Like, well, I want to have this by this time period. And I want to have these types of conversions in this time frame. And most of the time I turn around and say, I'm not making you those promises. I will not, I will give you support to grow, but I'm not going to commit that you're going to have, you know, a hundred thousand followers in three months. Like that's, that's not things that I do. And inevitably they end up not signing with me. And I'm like, great, please go work with somebody else, throw your money away and come back to me when that doesn't work. And 
you know, I've actually had people that have reached back out after the fact and been like, I worked with this agency and they did all this and they said they were going to produce these results and either they didn't produce the results or they technically got them the followers, but nothing's changed. And I'm like, I know we talked about this. You know, it's like, it's, it is shocking to me how many people still think that it is that it's so easy to get a hundred thousand followers and that a hundred thousand followers automatically means you're going to, you know, triple your business in a year. And I'm like, no, that's not how the world works. Uh, yes. Speaking of th- people who thought that social media and, con- and uh, certain platforms are going to be successful. Your good friend, uh, our good friends at social media examiner, just officially I'm looking at my Twitter feed as we're speaking. And they said, Google has officially killed Google plus. Um, wow, really? As of an hour ago, um, I see the link here. So I'm going to click on it while we're talking, literally live as we were doing this. Um, yeah, Social Media Examiner you know, posted it. Uh, yep, we are shutting down Google Plus for consumers. Yep. That's wow. Official. Yeah, officially dead. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a big news. Sorry to cut off and talk about social media. No, but. that's that's news worth cutting off for. Wow, I'm like I'm literally like going into Twitter right now to go look for it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I just retweeted it, and uh, Social Media Examiner uh, is uh, it, it posted it, so I can give them full credit for it. Uh, that's going to be uh, well. We all know it was dead a long time ago, but I guess they're finally put their coffin down and said this is it. It's well, yeah, because they kept it active. And it was, I mean, I still published everything to Google Plus and I'd get, you know, a plus one here or there, but I, I did it purely for the SEO rankings. I right. just was like, hey, if my content's out there for people to find it or if it's going to rank higher in a Google search because it's on Google Plus, well, it's easy. It's an automatic feed. I had no problem with it, but wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that is insane. That's like a, that's a big era. Okay, speaking of social media examiner, since you're like the, person who really um you're speaking there this year i wish i was going there i'm gonna get there one day it's on my yes, goal i will get there it's uh every time i try it's just you know whether it's a money thing i applied as a speaker this year and i for good reason they gave me a good answer as to why i think it's right okay uh, it was fine i accepted it uh, i'm a good conversation with them and i think it's uh it's the right direction um part of the problem is that they don't have a live video of me uh speaking which is a problem yeah. but but every time i try to get myself live video all the conferences i speak at they actually specifically ask not to live video, which is very strange. Um, they're social media yeah. conferences, but there are a lot of these conferences, you know, the ones I gave at workshops at big conferences said, you know, they're meant to be intimate. They're meant to be kind of keep it small and closed or yeah. whatever it is. And I was like, all right, whatever. And so that's a big issue and it's cool. Um, but what are your conferences that you speak at? Cause I'm sure you're busy as besides just working at you know, content and your own job and being a mother and everything else besides social media examiner. Is there any other conferences that you speak at? So, yeah, I mean, I did, a, I did a lot this year, did a lot more than usual this year. Um, I'm getting a couple things lined up for, for 2019. So I do some that are kind of a bit more like the corporate side and a little bit more of like an industry specific. Like I did a, a wedding conference last year for, uh, for wedding planners. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one coming up uh, in January, I think, for um, people who manage... Uh, multi-unit properties. So basically apartment home uh, type uh, property managers. So that'll be interesting um, because it's a very niche, you know, specific, but I I do a lot of the, you know, the bigger social media events. I do some of like the social media day, social media week conferences that happen around the U S I've been lucky to do NAM, which is a music conference, um, both their winter and their summer events. I'll be back at their winter one in January as well. Um, I'm 
And so those are big, massive conferences for the the music industry. Um, so yeah, I kind of, you know, look and see what, what the options are. There's some of the big name ones that I would love to do. Like I would love to do uh, traffic conversion or inbound um, and those sorts of things. But it's, there's usually calendar issues with even trying to look at getting those because I, between everything I have going on, I can't spend my life traveling around the world. So I have to be selective in in the events I can take all the time. But I do want to do more overseas. There's a couple big events that happen um, in, you know, in Europe, there's, you know, things that happen in Australia. So I'm I'm waiting for someone to to ask me to come speak in some glorious destination (laughs) where I can have a trip overseas. Have you been, ever um, been to, but yeah, have you ever, I, I have you love it. Been, I love the snow side of it. Have you ever been to Israel? I have never been to Israel. No, I have not. All right. We're going to have to make an opportunity so, for you. We're going to get there. Well, yes, yeah. yes. One of these days, I would love to. Uh, and luckily for you, I have the ability to make some certain kind of thing, as those kind of things happen. So we can, uh, we can make, we can work on that. Um, okay. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so now the, the, my final question, since we kind of went from uh, Instagram to other social platforms and the official uh, notice that uh, the official obituary of Google+, Plus, which I think we're all happy <laughs> to know about, um, official death notice of, uh, of Google+, Plus. what is and your conferences that you're speaking at? Because I think, I think you do a great job speaking, and I've heard your stuff, and I've seen your, a lot of your content, so I'm a big fan, like I mentioned before. Um, what is the, uh, I guess, besides doing your content both in your full-time and your side gig which I think is probably doing a great job t- together um, what is it that uh, are the things that that, that led uh, Jen Herman kind of you know, besides doing your these two things and being a mother what are those things that like what are those three fun things that you're doing or three big projects that you're working on uh, so one thing uh, I'm working on which is going to launch on the 15th is I'm working with uh, three other uh, kind of experts in our industry, and we're launching a membership program. So it'll be a $5 a month for the level one tier. So it's going to be a Facebook group, uh, but where you have content and access to myself, Mike Alton, Stephanie Liu, and Amanda Robinson. Oh, wow. uh, it's the Marketing 360 Squad is what we're calling it. And so we will be creating content and we'll be there in the Facebook group to answer questions. Between the four of us, we pretty much cover all aspects of social media from, you know, the front facing to the rear facing aspects. Uh Um, And it's, it's meant to really augment people's um, understanding of social media. When, when like Google plus announces that they're dying, (laughs) we would be announcing that in the group, Um, you know, those sorts of things. And really, um, you know, building up this opportunity to help as many businesses as possible. That's going to be level one that's launching um, October 15th. We'll have level two, which will be, what's that? I was going to say, it's $5 a month is a good low buy-in. For, right. For, yes. it's, it's just enough, you know, to kind of justify, um, you know, our content creation for, right. for, for the group. And then we'll have a level two, more expensive, that'll launch about a month later, um, which will be a bit of a higher. And that one, we will have like a live video, a live tutorial in the group, and we're going to have much more content, uh, you know, support uh, in the level two tier. So that's kind of the big thing I've been working on right now. Um, other than that, it's it's honestly trying to right now look forward to what 2019 looks like for speaking gigs and getting some things lined up. Uh, I, I usually take the, the latter half or the latter quarter of the year off because now we're going to holiday season between you know halloween and then thanksgiving in the u.s and then then, you know the christmas holidays and those sorts of things that i spend that time with my daughter and i i try not to travel so at this point 
Um, I'm starting to look into the bookings for 2019 and, and get all that lined up. So doing that. And, uh, and yeah, those are kind of the, the biggest things I'm focusing on right now. I just wrapped up a, a couple other big projects in the last month. So right now I kind of feel like I'm in a nice quiet, I don't want to say lull, but, but definitely a bit more calm than I was about a month ago with all the deadlines I had for manuscripts and, and uh, things that had to be submitted to, to deadlines. So things are good right now. <laughs> awesome. So your so social media marketing world is definitely on your thing and your social media week, yep. I'm sure it's going to come up there as, as well. Uh, anything else that you're you're looking forward to in 2019 in terms of the professional, besides launching a th- marketing 360 spot, which is a great idea. And I think that low p- buy-in and obviously you know tiered and pay whatever it is, but that I love that idea. I think it's a great way to also, with, especially with the people that you mentioned, those guys, uh, that group of people together, like you said, it cr- creates the entire you know 360, like an entire 360 experience yep. of marketing for for the right platforms for the right people. Um, great idea. Um, and speaking gigs, which is great. Anything else that you're uh, doing or working on? Uh, no, at this point, those no have been, no have been my books? highlights. No, no books this year. Um, I wrote uh, the Instagram for Business for Dummies, which came out, out uh, earlier this year. And, and that, that was a, a light of itself that I do not want to recreate in the near future. <laughs> uh, it, it was a lot of work. Um, it's a, been a lot of promotion. It's, it's a lot yeah. of work after publication. And I just, I'm, I'm very proud of it. Uh, it, was, it was a great experience in a lot of ways, but definitely not something I, I plan to redo anytime in the near future. So I will uh, just focus on my blog and the other commitments I have in that way. Awesome. Okay. Well, I wanted to say, first of all, Jen, I, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of your work. I really read a lot of your content before and I really like it. And I love the, the vibe and the, the content and the, the passion that you bring into the table, even just on, obviously you do other social media work and I've seen a lot of the work, but on Instagram specifically, it's amazing. Uh, so thank you so much for inspiring someone like me. Um, so that's awesome. Um, thank you. I really, it really means a lot. And I really take the thanks the time. Thank you for taking the time to really give us a lot of uh, both macro and micro uh, perspectives on um, Instagram, but it could also be applied. Basically, almost all of it could be applied to all of uh, social media in general. Um, and I, I wish, like, I would like to wish you good luck on the uh, on the Marketing Three Hundred and Sixty Squad, which I think is such a simple but perfect uh, place to be for uh, a good, good group of people that you mentioned. So I really want to thank you for that. Thanks. As well. We're excited. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Um, and if there's uh, anything else you want to say about uh, for the future, besides. Uh, we're all sorry that Google Plus is dead today. Um, anything, <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you have? Uh, anything else you want to leave up, leave the crowd with? Uh, no, just yeah. If you're not on Instagram, get started on it. Uh, if you're using it, get more strategic with it. I I love it for so many reasons. And if anyone who's listening to the show has any questions, you can always reach out to me. Um, I'm at Jens J E N N S underscore Trends on Instagram. You can shoot me an email. You can go to my website. Uh, come hang out and say hi. Let me know you heard me here on the on the podcast. And I'm happy to answer questions to help get you started. But my blog is a is a ginormous resource uh, of all things related to Instagram. So if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen, and uh, good luck. And I look forward to to seeing you online, and looking forward to speaking to you in the future as well. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Take care. You too. Bye.
Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.